Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. It's time for this week's State of the Program with InsideTexas.com publisher, Eric Nalene, brought to you by the folks over at the Lowy Law Firm, Adam Lowy and his group. Hey, uh, Eric, uh, I, I want to really talk today about an article you wrote for InsideTexas.com on Tuesday uh, because it, it, it kind of gives this uh, viewpoint of, you know, where is the offense really at? And, and that's what we try to do uh, in these programs each and every week is kind of take a step back and look at some macro uh, issues. And I thought you had some really good points within it. Let, let's <clears throat> let's start and go position by position and, and start with the, the quarterback room because uh, here we are, you know, essentially eight games into the season. Quinn Ewers has been the show, but Malik Murphy has now taken, taken a role within the team clearly. Uh, what, are, what are your thoughts overall on that? Because I thought you had some interesting interesting thoughts. Well, I like writing those articles, not only to gauge where the, the team is, but also to see, you know, where our reporting was right, where our reporting was off a little bit. You know, why was the reporting off? Or, you know, maybe sometimes we pat ourselves on the back a little bit, too. Um, but a lot of times it's just to self-correct and see what's going on. But, you know, quarterback, I think, has, has met expectations uh, throughout the season. Now, you know, the the prevalent point I was making, you know, throughout the whole course of the offseason was that, that Quinn was definitely improved, but he was not a finished product. And I think we've seen that play out. We said that he's more accurate. His, uh, uh, his completion percentage is up 12%, I believe, almost 13%. And that's at the same time that they're they're not sacrificing uh, hitting the middle ground. It's not just dink and dunk. His, his yards per attempt is way up over last year. They're not going deep as nearly as much, but they're completing the ones that they do attempt. And, of course, his mid-range game has been really good. I thought that was a, a good strength that he had last year. Uh, so all in all, I think Sark has done well to tailor the offense more in line with, uh, with Quinn's strengths. Uh, and that's that's played out on the field. So I think he's met expectations. Maybe he hasn't met everybody's expectations vis-a-vis -vis where he was ranked. I think a lot of people still think and they see the arm talent. Um, but, you know, everybody develops at their own pace. And I think he he's definitely improved over last year. I think he's met met our expectations. Um, where, where do you think where do you think he can improve? Like I have like with Quinn, my my question is his recognition and yeah. moving from from receiver to receiver can Quick, seem yeah. a tad slow at times, much better than a year ago, by the sure. way. So to your point, you know, it's not a straight line of improvement. It's not just from zero to 100. It's there's, there's stops in between. Is there anything other than that that you see, or is that the primarily the, the, if people are to have a nit to pick with Quinn Ewers, he's completing 70 something percent in conference. So it's hard yeah. to pick, pick too many, but what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think quickness through his progressions can improve, and I think his feel in the pocket can improve. They're kind of tied to each other as well. You know, so you're going to move faster when you're going from one progression to the next. But uh, that's one of those things that develops more with experience than anything else. And now where Texas sits with Malik Murphy um, going into the Kansas State game with Malik, or with uh, Quinn Ewers uh, week to week, not only is Malik there, but also Arch Manning uh, in case something happens to Malik. Uh this is we're testing the bounds right now of how good is the quarterback room really. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, I'm surprised that we did not see Arch Manning this past Saturday to at least give him a taste of game action in case he's called upon at some point in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, Sark kind of uh, showed that he wasn't too worried about the BYU offense when he was going through, for it on those fourth downs, and that that could have been an indicator that maybe they should have got Arch in. If you're not that, if you're not super worried about BYU moving the ball, that's that's the case to be made to get Arch some uh, some live reps. 
Uh, you know, I'm a little worried about Malik in this game. They, they're going to have to really be dependent on the run game. Jonathan Brooks is going to have to have his best game of the season, most likely, for them to have a chance. And that's going to be able to set everything else off. I, I do, you know, I do like that Sark let Malik throw the ball quite a bit. Now, a lot of it was, you know, short yardage. Uh, but that at least kept the defense somewhat honest enough for Jonathan Brooks to run. And they're going to have to do that uh, and then some uh, against Kansas State. So, you know, we don't have a huge data set on Malik. Obviously, he's not nearly as good as he's going to be uh, down the road. His first game starter, it's tough to gauge a whole lot from because, um, you know, he's got butterflies. Uh, you know, things are a lot faster in game than they are in practice. You're going to see different looks in game than you have in practice. I thought he played okay. I thought he played pretty well. I wasn't dismayed by anything I saw. You know, the the, the surprise interception, that's, you know, we saw Quinn make those same same sort of mistakes last year as well. That's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, so I, he did it against he did it against Oklahoma State right out of the gate, you know. Right, right. And so, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not super worried about the turnovers. I think that's something he's going to learn. That's something you can learn from uh, really quickly, I believe. Uh, but you know, his uh, his 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 getting through progressions is going to be tough too. You know that, and and Kansas State's going to give him a whole lot of looks. I think the offensive line can do pretty well against their defensive line. I think that's that's one uh, one hope I have for the game, and they can control it with uh, with the run game perhaps. Uh, his touch over on the deep ball is good. You know, that's where he's more advanced than Quinny uh, a year of a year from a year ago. Uh, so I think he can make up some ground there. And really, if you just hit a couple of those, um, you know, the game can go your way uh, a lot quicker. If you if you mix in the run and hit a couple of those, you're you're you got a good chance to hold on. Gotcha. Uh, I want to say thank you. I want to talk to you. You mentioned the running game. We need to give a really give a, a glance not only at Jonathan Brooks but the running back room as a whole. Uh, before we do that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor. Save the program brought to you by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. He's been helping injured Texans for decades. If you've been injured in a car wreck or on the job and think you might need representation, please give him and his staff a call, 512-280-0800, or visit thelowylawfirm.com. Adam and his group give free consultations before they ever take on a client, so feel free to give them a call again, 512-280-0800. You know, Eric, uh, the running back room started off with C.J. Baxter, the starter this season, uh, goes out and gets injured after a long run, uh, effectively, against Rice. Then it's been the Jonathan Brooks show ever since. And uh, Brooks has absolutely picked up the the, uh, mantle and run with it, uh, so to speak. Uh, But it looks now like Texas may have a healthy running back room, not just with Brooks and Baxter, uh, after dealing with an ankle injury, but now Savion Red, Jaden Blue's got some time. Keelan Robinson showed a little bit against uh, uh, against uh, uh, BYU on Saturday. Mm-hmm. It, is the depth there kind of identical to what we've been talking about? The depth overall as the team is that they just have more guys coming nowadays yeah i mean i think they've exceeded expectations by by a little bit Uh, expectations were were pretty high despite them losing Bijan and roshan last year Uh, just because the the rising tide of the entire offense i thought was going to make it easier for the running back room you know for a lot much of the offseason we had predicted that jonathan brooks is the breakout uh player on offense and then when he was uh when he became second team to to cj baxter we said well you know baxter must be special and now we've seen signs of Baxter being special, particularly on that touchdown run versus U of H. I thought he looked extremely smooth, powerful, and quick. But he's not hes not as comfortable behind the running schemes uh, as Brooks. You can see Brooks being much more decisive despite being patient. His vision is, is uh, allowing him to be patient, and then he gets downhill quick. Uh, I think Brooks or Baxter is still trying to get an idea of where the blocking is going to be, where the hole is going to be. When he does see it, uh, it's a sight to see. Uh, but he's not quite as uh, experienced as, as Brooks in that regard. But overall, the room has been – 
been quality. I mean, that, that touchdown Jaden Blue had, his speed, I think he was <clears throat> he had 21, uh, 20.9 uh, miles per hour on, on a run where he never was in a straightaway to really get get going. You know, he was almost as fast as Worthy on the kickoff on this punt return touchdown when Worthy was running a straight line the whole time. Uh, so, so basically we saw uh, Blues run around the, the, the turn on the 200 meter. Uh, very impressive. So I think, you know, they can win with all five running backs. Those are kind of the expectations coming in. But I think Brooks has exceeded what I originally thought. Yeah, no doubt. He, he's up for the Doak Walker among many other awards. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, he keeps coming up a, a yard or two shy of 100-yard games. Uh, otherwise, we'd be talking about six straight games of him having 100 yards plus. Uh, what about uh, uh, the wide receiver group? Uh, I said in the preseason, it's the most talented wide receiver group I've seen at Texas since I've been doing this. I, I still believe that to be the case. Um, but... Uh, you know, for whatever reason, they haven't necessarily always been the focal point of the offense, even though they've answered the bell when called upon, in my opinion. You know, I think they've offered a schematic benefit to the running game. Uh, Fair. Sure. And I, I agree with that. That's, that's one of the sort of the unforeseen thing, un, unseen things that they, they bring to the table. Uh, they're making it easier for the running backs. They're making it easier for Quinn, too. But I don't think the explosive plays have quite been there. You know, then they've had, had they have hit some deep balls, but I think Worley only has three touchdowns. You know, normally we'd expect about six this time of year, maybe seven. Part of that is attributable to the the red zone issues at, uh, at large. Uh, but I, I just don't think they've been quite as dynamic. They haven't had nearly as many, uh, you know, big games like we would expect Worley to be, you know, 1,200, 1,400 yards uh, for, the, for the entire season. And he's not, he's not close to being on that pace. At the same time, you know, despite this last game, he's been much more consistent catching the ball. He's, he's been very good in that regard. Um, you know, for the, his, his efficiency on targets has been, uh, you know, incredibly improved over last year. So in some ways he is better than last year, but we're not seeing the, the sort of production. And it is being dispersed out a little bit more. But I think they're, I don't think they take advantage of Jordan Whittington enough. I think the slot receiver is the easiest guy to get the ball to. Uh, corner, you know, the DBs are playing off. There's space. He can create after the catch. I don't think they lean on that enough. That, that goes back to last year. Uh, Adonai has been good. Uh, but I think each game, it's, you know, we haven't seen a consistency game to game. It's usually one guy has a good game and then, then the other guy's kind of quiet uh, and vice versa. So we just haven't seen the explosiveness and quite the consistency of the big plays uh, as many of us uh, as many of us expected. It's interesting. I, I agree with you totally about everything you said, especially the use of the slot receiver. I wonder if that plays a bigger factor now that Malik's the quarterback. Um, and the reason I say that is, not necessarily because it's a Steve Sarkeesian-led offensive scheme or what have you, but Malik seems like he's taller and maybe can see over the middle of those big offensive linemen just a tad better. And because he's a, a new guy, maybe he's just trying to move the chains a little bit more than what a Quinn Ewers is who's looking maybe to throw the dagger. or You, you know what I mean? The knockout yeah. punch. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, – because what we did see against BYU – was a number of checkdowns to the back, right? To the backs, inordinately so compared to other teams prior. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But I agree with your assessment 100%. Um, tight end has been an, an interesting one for me. We knew JT Sanders was was uh, who he is, and and that he would continue to look good in the passing game. He's done that. I feel like he's been a bit of a disappointment in the uh, in the uh, blocking uh, side of things. Gunnar Helm has come on though. Uh, and I think he's like, I mean, we, we've talked about this part of what Texas does is player development and he is a shining light of that in so many respects came in as an, a tall guy, but not really built 
you know, but you see the production and improvement each and every year. What are, what are your thoughts on the tight end group right now? Yeah, I think they met expectations. There's there's a give and take with JT, and the injury hasn't helped at all. You know, they really needed yep. a healthy uh, Sanders versus OU. Uh, the big playability has been there between the 20s. We just haven't seen it in the red zone. And, you know, that might tie into some of the red zone issues that we've seen out of Texas. He only has one touchdown. I think he had five last year. But his yards per catch is up from like 11 to 17.9 or something ridiculous. Uh, so he's dominating in the middle of the field uh, in, in between the 20s, but we're not seeing him get in the end zone. And I do think his blocking can improve uh, for sure. But, you know, his raw talent's been there. They were, he was there when they needed him against Alabama. He had a huge game. Uh, the, the talent's there. We just haven't seen quite the consistency or the red zone production. And that's, that's kind of been the tale of the, the season so far for these offensive weapons is they're not getting in the end zone enough. Uh, I'm with you on home. I, I've always liked him. I liked him as a, a prospect. When you see a guy that big that can do a backflip but also stripe a golf ball with a beautiful swing, you know there's a whole lot of coordination and explosive, uh, natural explosiveness there to work with. He's a good two-way tight end. He's not He's not a dominant blocker. He's not a dominant receiver, but he's, he's solid in both regards, and he's only going to continue to improve. He's a good piece. And then Malik Agbo has, has been, uh, has been a, a, a big help in pass protection and helps some of those longer-developing pass plays uh, to connect for, for Quinn. Uh, he hasn't been quite the dominating run blocker you would expect out of an offensive lineman playing that position, uh, but he's been good in pass pro. Let me ask you this. Is he better for Texas than what Andre Karich was a year ago at that position? Or are they just – they almost seem fundamentally different. Karich was such a good run blocker primarily, but yeah. not great at pass pro, whereas Ogbo has better feet. Uh, and I still think he does pretty good in blocking. I mean, in, in run blocking. What What – you know, compare. Yeah, I think they have they have different personalities. Carrick was uh, one of the nastiest guys on the team, and so you know that always carries over to run blocking, and that's something this this uh, this run blocking unit really misses is that element of nastiness uh, that he brought. With Agbo's, you know, kind of that dancing bear offensive lineman, he's got really good feet, definitely uh, good working in reverse. I think it just boils down to their different uh, personalities. Got it. All right, uh, now let's move on to offensive lineman, which Agbo is one, but actually plays tight end for Texas this year. Meet uh, you, you've you've categorized these as met expectations, exceeded or or unmet. Where did you come out on offensive line, Eric? Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S. based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Yeah, I think they've missed expectations, which is not, not ideal because I never set the expectations all that high. You know, interior offensive line was the number one concern coming into the season. Once I felt good about Quinn's uh, growth and maturity, uh, I, I moved the, the biggest issue going into the season. I, you know, I changed that to the interior offensive line. Uh, sometime during the spring. And I don't think, um, you know, I, they don't, they just have not uh, developed as, as quickly as I would have thought. I knew they were going to start off a little slow, but I thought we would see it, see them better by web, by week seven or week eight. And, and they're still having issues. The Cole Hudson injury, I think is, has been bigger than people realize. He was actually showed some of that physicality, even against Alabama that, that I think that unit is missing. And, you know, Kelvin Banks has been good, but not, not quite as dominant as we'd, we'd expect. I think Christian Jones has probably been the best offensive lineman on the team so far this season. Uh, he's been good. But I, I think the into the you know this offense is probably going to go as far as the interior offensive line is going to take it, or as far as uh, Sark can scheme around it. Uh, I still don't think that that's a good enough excuse for the in, the 
the red zone issues because, you know, Texas still has a better interior offensive line than a number of teams out there that, that do better in the red zone. So there, there's something more fundamental uh, that Sark has to figure out. Uh, but overall, there's still a lot of room for improvement. I think that, you know, they have not met expectations, even though the expectations were all that high. Are, are you high on the idea or, or high is not the right word? Are you are you interested in the idea, perhaps, of moving Cole Hudson to left guard and replacing Hayden Connor or using Neto Omiozulu more at left guard at this point, based on what you've seen? Uh, because yeah. Connor, Connor is a he's a little bit of an enigma in that he's not great in the run game. He's he's more he's adequate in the passing game, but he doesn't have, quote unquote, a real strength. Whereas yeah. Hudson and Umi Ozulu as run blockers actually may have a quote unquote strength. Well, I think Ian nailed it uh, long ago, earlier in the season when he said uh, Hayden Connor looked more like an air raid tackle, offensive tackle. And I, I agree that with that. He's more of a screener. He likes to wall him off. He's not a drive blocker. I think the issue with Neto is they don't want to compound the inconsistencies they have with DJ Campbell to the right of, uh, of Jake Majors, to the left of Jake Majors as well. So I think they are trying to go with what they know. Uh, uh, you know, Hayden Connor's going to be more assignment sound. I do think Cole Hudson should get a look there. Absolutely. I think um, they think they probably should have looked at getting Cole Hudson there uh, in August, as opposed to having him work behind uh, Jake Majors at center. You know, that's a, that's a critique I have. I'm not a coach. I don't get paid to do it. I don't know nearly as much as Kyle Flood. Uh, but that's one thing I would have looked at because I do think left guard was more of a weakness than center. Interesting. All right. Before we go to the overall uh, thoughts on the offense, I want to circle back and just say thanks one more time to our sponsor. That's Adam Lowy at the Lowy Law Firm. He's been helping injured Texans for decades. If you think you need consultation, uh, give him a call 512-280-0800 or visit him at LowyLawFirm.com. All right. Uh, the wide right, the, uh, the offensive group as a whole, Eric, um, they've scored over 30 points in every single game this year which is somewhat of a new record for Texas since I don't know when. Um, so there are many aspects of this that I think you could say far exceeded expectations, but I can think of two or three others that didn't and haven't. Uh, the red zone problems you mentioned is one of them. Uh, the idea that Texas could go out and actually dominate people with their offense has only happened really a couple games uh, this year. So right. where did you come out overall on the offensive output and offensive expectations versus what you had uh, in the preseason? Yeah, I don't think they've been as explosive on the scoreboard or, or as consistent uh, throughout games. You know, they, there's been some games where they, they scored in bunches and then disappeared for, for long stretches. I think that uh, lack of consistency and the, and the red zone issues really sum up while they're not scoring uh, well into the 40s more often or, or or letting teams hang around much longer than they should. I think it just all boils down to consistency uh, and red zone offense. If, if the red zone offense was just, you know, top 50, uh, this season would look a lot different. This conversation would, would, would be a lot different. But they've got to get these issues fixed. They're real issues. And, you know, going up against uh, Kansas State, you can't leave any points on the board. Let me ask you this uh, in talking about this offense. And it, it's clear to me that it's much better. You talk about the inconsistencies and not moving the ball for a period of times or not scoring. It is much clearer that they're more consistent in that regard. Like they're not going three quarters or two quarters without a first down. Like right. they did they're in 2021. The they're they're yeah. moving the ball. Sure. Yeah, they're moving it between the 20s. Now it's that that true execution level inside the 20 
that they're falling short on. Right. You, yeah, you agree with that? Of, yeah, the lack of punts by Ryan Sanborn bears that out. Everybody wonders why he's kicking it 60, 70 yards because he's got the freshest leg in America. He's, you know, he's, they barely <laughs> ever use him. Uh, so they are moving the ball uh, consistently. They're not scoring the ball consistently. Uh, and, you know, that's that's the big issue. And I think they are lacking some of that big play element that Sark, uh, Sark covets. And I think Sark has gotten too cute a little bit. You know, sometimes just get the damn first down. You don't, not everything has to be a touchdown. Yep. Uh, speaking with Eric Nolene, publisher, InsideTexas.com. Uh, let's let's move forward uh, briefly uh, and touch on uh, the K-State game. I'm going to uh, talk to multiple people this week, obviously, about, sure. about the game. But I want to get your thoughts because this is our only opportunity to talk. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier about some things that Texas needed to do. Uh, top line, what are you thinking about this game right now, Eric? Starts with the run. Uh, starts with the run. Probably, probably ends with the run. They've got to on both side, for both for both Kansas State and yeah. Texas, right? Absolutely, absolutely. On off, I love K State's run game. You know, they run inside outside with with two running backs. They run inside outside with with two quarterbacks. Then they've got a they've got a decent RPO. They've got a good RPO passing game. They'll play action off of it, and then they've got uh, maybe the most versatile player in the Big Twelve and Ben Sinat tying that run game and that passing game together. Uh, so. They're going to test on top of testing Texas mentally. They're going to te- test Texas uh, physically, which start start. I've never heard a coach mention physicality as many times as Sark mentioned on in his Monday press conference. So that tells you the importance of it, and that goes back to something I've covered every year uh, for a decade. Uh, after we after the K State uh, game is when the team is the most sore throughout the entire year. It doesn't matter who they play; it's after K State. So, so I understand why Sark mentioned physicality so much, but also it's. It's going to be a game that's won between the, in the trenches, I believe. You know, it's uh, Texas can't give up a big play, big long runs to the quarterbacks. I think they're going to be pretty assignment sound, uh, but they have to they have to uh, counterpunch with their with their own run game as well because that's that's one advantage Texas has. The offensive line may have some struggles in the red zone, but this is not a big K State defense. So when Texas is less predictable, like they are within the five yard line uh, or on the one yard line, when everybody knows they're going to try to run it, it's going to be a lot tougher for K State to man up and stop the run. Yeah, I agree. I, I I'm interested. I'm going to be there on Saturday, uh, uh, checking out the horns. I'm 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 concerned a little bit about K State's dual quarterback group now. Yeah. I think if they can, the the other piece that you didn't really mention that that is different about K State's game now, they actually have a full fledged option package, and a guy that can run it in Avery Johnson. That right. that's more than just running outside or running inside. That's a true assignment sound yeah there's going to be some elements. That they didn't necessarily show very well against kansas yeah elements of that against kansas and then you know will howard hasn't um hasn't thrown an interception in three weeks you know he had the the, the bomb against uh, oklahoma state where he threw three he had an interception in every game of the season prior to that and that, now he's uh put up zeros the last three weeks so texas is going to have to turn them over yep absolutely all right all right, uh, that's Eric Nolene, publisher, InsideTexas.com. Remember, uh, Eric and I write each and every day uh, and are on the message boards for InsideTexas.com. Right now, we have a special two months for $1. That's right, just two months for $1. Uh, make sure you visit Inside Texas, subscribe. Use a promo code OTFIT23. That's OTFIT23. And make sure you choose the monthly option. Uh, Eric, that's going to do it for today. I appreciate you, and I'll see you this weekend uh, in Austin, buddy. All right. Thanks, Bobby.